Hello, everyone, and welcome to Simply Technical. Back here again, episode 34. And our first guest since returning from our break. We took a little break, Connor, if you didn't know. I did uh, not. I know that you watch every single episode and dissect <laughs> each second. And they're on, they're on backlog for me right yeah. now. Also, checking to see if they're AI generated because uh, <laughs> my thoughts are not real. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Keaton, Connor, like I said, here, Evan, your host, one of your hosts. And we're going to talk a little bit about society and not just any part of society, but we kind of wanted to focus this episode on marriage, a little bit of marriage. Two of the three people here are married and the one person that's not is me, of course, if you know me at all. <laughs> not of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Ugliest guy here. So um, oh, no. anyway, Connor, you have a background in family science, I guess. Is that what it's called? Christian family science. Yeah, yeah. I guess my like technical degree is like a master's of science. I guess I don't really know. My my de- my graduate degree is in marriage and family therapy. So yes, I am a um, an active therapist right now. My my technical license is going to be just an LPC, but that was because of legal jargon in Oklahoma. It doesn't really matter, at least to me, in title. It's more in training. Um, so my training's in MFT. And so this will be kind of a cross section of society that you see and that we're going to kind of analyze a little bit and um, just talk about. And I guess the big thing about marriage is, is like, I don't know. I heard the stat a while ago. We kind of talked about before 50% of marriages end in divorce. And I don't know how true is that? Like, and even if it was 50%, like, kind of what are we seeing as society degrades uh, as far as marriage goes? Yeah. And you guys asked me to to think on this or to, th- these were the topics I, I'd written a little notes on both. I don't know we mentioned marriage, but I think um, I'm going to start with community at least in a little bit. Okay. Cause I think um, that leads into it a little better. And I mentioned to y'all just a second ago, we were talking about it in, uh, class yesterday and so we were going over some of these things of general history right like i don't i'm not necessarily a history buff but general history you can look at and think of um small groups of people like surviving together um and as we've progressed and as history's gone forward let's see what's one of my biggest things um really at least to me the big tippy point on a lot of different stuff is that industrial revolution, at least in the Western world, things got a lot different then. And it was one of the first times um, in history where man left the family to go do work and then came back to the family in the evening. Previously, it was either just like surviving, I guess, um, hunter gatherer, I don't know, farmer, whatever you want to say. Working but from just, home as a farmer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know, essentially slave. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You could lots of different ways, but this was one of the first times where you would leave your family and then come back. Um, and at least in my opinion, I've kind of got a sick, cyclical, cynical view on technology. Um, and that's easy for me to say because I'm benefiting from all of it. But um, most of most of that has, at least in my opinion, progressed towards making things better, making things easier, more efficient. Um, and then especially since like the eighties and nineties, at least in, in my point of view, more like personalized, like the stuff that's in your office right now, Keith, is probably different than the stuff that's in Evan and the stuff that's different in mine and the way we do it. My iPad is personalized for me. My TV in the living room is, is for me, my lights, you know, like all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's all individualized, which is great. Like that's not necessarily a problem. Um, but in general sense, history or not history, technology has advanced away from community and more towards like individual thoughts. Um, and that's gone at least in several different areas, work and just general technology in, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really broad way of looking at stuff, but that's at least I think an okay place to start of uh, yeah. where marriages have gone differently now where it's obviously was different in the fifties versus now the 1800s versus now, but at least on some level, 
we, we left families and units and small communities because we are so connected, then nothing really needs to be connected. Like, I don't have to be in the same room with y'all right now to talk, even though we're 150 miles apart. Yeah. So can I expand on this a little bit? Because I yeah. also like uh, talking about the Industrial Revolution and how it changed society. But uh, you mentioned that, you know, it was the first time people were going out of the house to work and coming back in the evening. And uh, that's definitely true. But I also think another aspect of it is for the first time ever, people were leaving small towns and moving into big cities where there were opportunities to work. So when you previously before you were raising families as, you know, sort of a, in a sort of collective way, everyone, all the family, the extended family was usually all around. And now as, as we've progressed uh, towards this more automated and work-based society, we've moved to the big regions of work like New York, big cities are where all the, uh, density is like you could see the massive decline in population uh rural rural populations and the simultaneous uprise in urban pop, uh, populations so also i think that that is also a big factor in community and even though we're more dense than ever we're also somehow more alone mm -hmm. yeah well we oh, go ahead I, I mean i think a, the big point that connor said was like we're so connected that we're not connected. Like, and I think we talked about this kind of last time when Connor was on of like, okay, we can be connected like we are now, but we yearn for that physical connection, uh, you know, being close to somebody. And then we never achieve that because we're so connected already. Well, I talked to them on my Xbox live account, so I don't really need to go mm -hmm. talk to them in person. So, yeah, it's, yeah, and we, we mentioned that at least a little bit of that time of, yeah, the, the pseudo yeah. sense of connection through lots of technology and lots of it's good and it is. Um, but I think there's a real primal and like actual need for physical connection, um, physical things and places. The other thing I was thinking of and just in general in communities is what, uh, like what makes them close? How do you feel connected to a group of people or just even just an individual um, in the, I, th I think that just the biggest consensus um, would be through suffering. And that's kind of like a hard word, but you think of either sports teams, football teams, um, a rough patch in a marriage, if we're going there, a rough patch in a friendship with maybe a disagreement, a, you know, whatever that might be, working through those things is how you grow close. If everything's hunky-dory and great, like that's fine. Um, but that sense of connection is built through hard times. And as we've gone and progressed further in just like society, um, no, not everywhere. This is a, it's a privileged point of view. Um, but there's not as much suffering. I don't have much suffering going on. I don't need um, my mom and my dad or this person over here, like I did maybe 50, 60, 100 years ago. Like I would need the farmer next door or my neighbor to help with X, Y, and Z or if I got sick. Now I don't. I can do everything by myself. And when, I, when that's the point of view, it becomes super, um, what can you do for me? Rather than like, what can I do for you? Um, a more like, self, not self-serving, a more sacrificial sort of relationship. Um, and so you see people that way. Well, what is this person? What's the qualities they've got? Um, if we're speaking towards marriage, what are, it's all the things that that other person can do for them in the relationship, which is not like a terrible thing to think about. Um, but it's so forward in people's minds, I think. Um, and not only because we don't necessarily suffer together, but it's because we, uh, I think that's part of it. And I don't know. I kind of jumped around on several different ideas there, but. So um, do you think that, um, you're kind of saying that you think we've become more selfish as a whole, as a collective society uh, over time because of all this change in societal structure. And that's, I think, I think we've, I don't know if we've gotten more selfish. I think that circle who we're selfish for has shrinked to just like individuals, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe, I don't know. You know, this is quite kind of brutal, but just the, the killer be killed mentality um, 
well, that, that would expand to like my little community. You know, the people who are in my village, the people who are in my, my small little town, because I needed all these people. Um, and so I don't know if we've gotten more selfish. Like I think everyone in, in those spots would be selfish for that little group, but it's shrunk down to just an individual level, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, how much of that is because we can't communicate verbally anymore? So instead of communicating, we have other options in our relationships, you might say. And so we don't, okay, well, something went wrong with this person. Um, they did something that I don't really care about. Well, I have uh, Billy over here who can serve the same role, but he didn't offend me like the other person did. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to move on. And maybe I don't have a solid relationship with Billy as I would have had with this other person previously. Is that yeah, people, people don't know how, and I don't say don't know how I only know what I know. I only know what communication looks like currently. Um, but as it currently stands, people yeah, don't communicate. They can't <laughs> communicate verbally for sure. I mean, well, even like, like, um, like so, so much, I did a, uh, not necessarily a, uh, at work, they had me just speak for a little bit. And one of the things I talked about was communication. Um, and this is not rocket science, but almost all of communication is nonverbal. It's like 80, 85%. Um, it's the tone, it's the inflection, it's the, um, the actual physical movement, all the things that you can get from, from a room. That's why Zooms, I, I mean, we're doing this right now, but that's why they're so difficult sometimes is um, there's a breakdown, there's a barrier in between that nonverbal communication. And that's why texting is so, so terrible and why we've made emojis to try to bridge <laughs> that gap a little bit. Because like when my dad says K, I don't know if that's like a teenager saying K or like a 50 year old man saying K. <laughs> <laughs> like those are way two different things. Way like, different, I, could get, yeah. I could get that super easily if I'm looking at my father, but if he sends it over text, I, I kind of have to infer some of those things and people are communicating so, so often like me included the big, uh, like big important conversations I had early on in my relationship with my wife as we were dating happened over text. We didn't, we didn't do them in person. Um, and part of that was because we were scared to do it in person. But part of that was just because that's, that's the way we do things, but they would almost always go terrible because it was like, we, like, we're not communicating well because there's, there's a huge gap. Um, and then even, I think I mentioned this last time too, with like, I don't want to throw my brother under the bus, but I would, he's a little bit younger than me and closer to his age group. And even younger than that, uh, are just doing like Snapchats is like just super quick things. Um, and so we, we lose the ability, not lose, we're not having much practice communicating face to face. And so then when you get in this intimate relationship where you need to go several layers deep in order to be connected, well, inherently in that there's wounds, there's hurts, there's things that you guys in a marriage that we're thinking of or any sort of close relationship have to work through. Well, if we don't know how to talk or like be in that fire, be in that, um, what's the right word? not cauldron in the crucible. That's what I'm thinking of. If we can't be in that crucible when it's hot, you just jump out and like nothing ever gets done. And so it gets hot real quickly for people. That tolerance is super low. And I think you're right, Evan, going all the way back to, we have so many options. There are so many people. It's not, oh, I only have Betty Sue over, over here for the next 50 miles. It's <laughs> I can find someone in six seconds on Snap or on Tinder or something like that. Um, we just kind of discard that, that difficult spot. Oh, something happened next. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that goes for any type of relationship, not just a partner, yeah. you know, a, a close relationship, like you said. Um, and that affects, I mean, your work and everything, right? Like mm -hmm. how we talked, we had some training at my work once and it was about how to talk to people that are older than you and younger than you and um you know you have to be careful of what you say because people are going to get offended over pretty much anything is pretty much what the training was about so 
Well, it's, it's that's almost telling you not to talk to people in a way. Yeah, <laughs> it's sometimes like it's dangerous. So, I get so frustrated sometimes because they're. It's almost like we're encouraging people to not, like you said, not communicate, or as if, and and some people are kind of just like turds or jerks, um, but a, as if me saying something, if it offends you, it's inherently my fault that now you're offended. Like there's, there's definitely a balance there, a relationship, but just because I say something, even in a work environment or a place where we're going to be communicating together, I have to either watch my tongue or um, not necessarily silence, but um, walk on eggshells. Yeah. 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 It, it discourages the very act of like sharpening our communication tools and just building some of that up. Oh, I think Emma's not going to like this. Okay. Well, I'll just stay away from that. Well, now, like we, you and I have not had the opportunity to work through that and actually connect. Oh, yeah, Evan sees things way differently than me, and you get to go. Oh, wow, Connor sees things way differently than me. We don't even have to agree, but like now, I know that about you. Maybe now, just inherently through that. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll probably stay away from that because I know one, Evan respects me, is hearing me, values my opinion. We're doing the same, vice versa, and so because that's there. Oh, yeah, like I won't mention that. I know that upsets them, but when like someone tells you to do something, like human nature is to go, I don't want to do that. Yeah, like I'm going to do the opposite. This is kind of like last time you talked about a little bit about how uh, social media has created these echo chambers where mm -hmm. we can always hear what we want to hear, and that, on top of the lack of uh, in-person communication, now creates this divide where we can't stand anything that goes against what our our system of beliefs basically so really it's like all these two things all coalescing together to just make communication almost impossible yeah yeah how could you think so differently than me i mean yeah, I think that's yeah. such a problem that people like they like you said echo chamber but they get so narrow-sided with their own experience mm -hmm. that when they talk to somebody else that has a different experience they just can't even see it from their side yeah, I think that's that goes for a lot of different things, for, from politics to working to um, your co close friendships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. Um, it keep, gives me job security, though, uh, on some level. Well, okay, so we've kind of talked about some issues with that, but like, how do we work past that? Like individually, and maybe even as a community, how do we work past some of those issues? That are you? I mean, is it as, is it as simple as just? Hey, we need to go to more events. We need to hold bigger events. We need to talk. <laughs> yeah, how do we get better? Yeah. <laughs> this is we like to, a We need to go to the kind of, you know, wine mixer, you know? <laughs> uh, like communicating? Is that what yeah. you're doing? Yeah, I mean. I, I, I think it has to start with the recognition that you are a part of the problem. Um, and not like uh, you're actively being evil or something like that. Most people that I come across with, now maybe not necessarily at work, but just daily life. In general. Mm -hmm. um, they're not terrible people. They're either either having a bad day, they uh, have other stuff going on, or I don't know, they're, they're just a normal person. But I think in order to get better, we have to have an identification of, okay, what's the ownership piece of the things that I control? It, it can't be just your problem. Um, if I'm engaged in a ton of communication that's not going well, like I'm a part of that. And so it's assessing where, where are the places that I need to get better? Where are the places that I need to listen? Where are the places where that are like essentially triggering me um, that flare up that defense mechanism? Um, I think of, especially in marriage, um, we get super defensive real quickly. Um, and part of that defense is putting up a shield and walling ourselves off. But part of defense is also like stabbing and poking back. Um, and so we pick up, pick up that spear and stab the other person in, in self-protection. Almost anything that we do internally is for self-protection. Um, our brain's like wired that way. Um, it doesn't often find like super helpful ways <laughs> or super healthy ways, but it just finds the quickest way. And so I can, I can wall myself off and I can be an ass and say something rude or mean, and you're going to back away. Um, and then from there, like, okay. The immediate problem is fixed, but then nothing else is uh, is different. 
um, or it keeps happening. So then, go, wow, why does everyone stink? Well, maybe because you stink a little bit at communicating. Um, but that's even that point is hard to get to for some people of recognizing they're doing stuff wrong. It takes a little bit of humility and not a whole lot of people are willing to admit some of that stuff um, for whatever reason. Yeah. I, at my previous job, I'm sorry, I keep going to back work experience for like an interview. My previous work, I did this. Um, but at, at one of my previous jobs, I felt like I was the only person that ever admitted they were wrong, that they ever did something wrong. And it's just like, at that place, I think it was everybody was so scared they were going to get fired hmm. that they were afraid that okay, if I did this wrong, they're going to fire me. Like, uh oh, like no, they won't even fire the guy that doesn't do any work. Like, they're not going to fire you because you messed up once. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that's the part of the humility thing that you're saying of you got to admit when you're wrong. Like, if if you're never wrong, I, I, I'm sure that's a narcissistic trait. Yeah. Uh, and that's, um, yeah, you can take that to work. You can take that to any sort of relationship, not necessarily marriage um, of needing to admit or to, to take some responsibility in like your life. If these things are happening to you, it's like, okay, what do you want to do about it? I, I hate like victims like, and not that, that sounds bad. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Uh, like, that sounds really bad. But like people Connor hates stuck, the victims. So. Just stuck in that victim mentality. Yeah. It, yeah. it annoys me. One, not not because I'm annoyed at them, but two, it's it's such a hopeless and powerless place um, of well, I can't do anything about this. Like depending on what situation it is, it's like, okay, I understand that on some level, but for the most part, at least for people like you and I, it's like you're you're not a victim. You had something either happen to you or whatever it is, but you like you are the the most powerful agent of change in your life. Like mm -hmm. if you don't like something, do something about it. Otherwise, like then quit complaining to me. Yeah, I mean that's been that. I guess that kind of or I don't want to get too far away from the the community or marriage yeah. stuff, but but that's like my my big uh, thesis on the world right now is like there's this really big pathology or, or on the first world in the u.s i guess yeah. big pathology of just like complete loss of agency especially for like i guess you could say more liberal leaning identity or people uh tend to have this sort of doomsday mindset like whatever your circumstances are you can't really change that it's all predetermined by you know race gender uh economic circumstance and i feel like that's just really it's like a self-fulfilling cycle mm -hmm. and, it, and it is incredibly damaging and i'm not saying not like trying to minimize um the difficulties certain people have to face yeah. but if you're always going to think that there's no way to get get out you are not actually ever going to get out <laughs> there's like some some really strong research on um just the, the power of, of your own thoughts. I was reading a book the other day and this is just from the book. I don't know. I didn't do much research on where she got this from. Um, but there are two, two things that she pointed out um, of one, they did a study of some, some old men, they were like in their seventies and they, they took one group and they told them to act as if you were 20 years younger. Um, and they put them like in this monastery and they made everything like it was in, I don't know, whatever that 20, I think this was in the seventies. So they made it look like the fifties. Um, they, they had no mirrors. It was just pictures of their younger selves. All the magazines and books were from the fifties. The TV shows that were in there were on the fifties. The food was like everything in their environment was. Pure um, nostalgia. Of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nostalgia, I guess. Um, and then they had another group just kind of like think about it, I guess. Um, think they were younger and both groups improved um there i can't remember all the stats they had a couple like actual physical stats not just the way that they looked but the guys who were inside that little monastery improved like remarkably in a week they had people <laughs> look at pictures and they thought that they were five years younger um or the pictures were five years difference apart just from that that one week um and then there was another one that she mentioned of a guy who was in some experiment i can't remember and he was in the placebo group of whatever pills that they were taking, but he obviously didn't know that's part of it. And he accidentally took a ton of them and he thought he overdosed. 
And so they, he like rushed to the hospital, had all these like symptoms, <laughs> was freaking out. Um, and he did like his heart rate would elevated. I can't remember what all that she mentioned in there. Um, so they had the scientists come in and they were like, yeah, he just had like sugar pills. Like he didn't, <laughs> there's nothing going on in him. But yeah. since he thought he was overdosing, that's the way his body was responding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, all that, all that to be said, if you're like, it's not a bad thing to be pessimistic. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a good thing. Like there's a ton of research that says optimism is like kind of a better way to see things, um, to be hopeful, to be things in a positive way. And you can lean either way or whatever, but there's tons of research that says, like, I don't, um, I'll throw my wife under the bus a little bit. Um, she does lean more (laughs) pessimistically. I lean more optimistically. Um, and it, it alters the way we view the exact same situation. Yeah. I see something, um, we were at the airport and a couple of good things happened. She's worried about losing her bags. So she thinks, oh, a couple of things have happened. It has to be like something negative has to happen. We're definitely going to lose these bags. And I'm over here like, no, like, we're having a great trip. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. <laughs> who, gonna ha- who matters or who cares? And we didn't lose our bags. And it wasn't because I thought we weren't going to, but it, it affected like four hours of our day. I wasn't worried about it and she was a little bit and she's not like freaking out about it, but that's a a silly, stupid example of the way that we think about things is victim idea that kind of, well, I'm just pigeonholed into being this, this, and this, therefore I can never be anything different. Well, it's like, well, yeah, you can, because you don't think you can. Like what other option is there? Yeah. It was like, I mean, it was a huge um, thing that set apart America, especially in the early early times from other countries was this like incredibly overly optimistic, maybe a little bit stupid, naive, <laughs> I call it the naive optimism that really built America where people thought, well, I could just, you know, build this this. America. Yeah. <laughs> I could do whatever I want. And then they did stuff. I mean, of course people failed, but we've just like completely lost that. And I think that is a big uh, reason that a lot of things has slowed down in the u.s like economically and we have this we have we have such a larger uh a burden of mental health issues as compared to other countries it's pretty it's pretty insane we have a major drug problem here and i think that is a little bit upstream as we've just completely lost the optimism of 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 the american ethos basically yeah and I'll, I'll do a little story on uh, maybe it's a study, maybe it's a preacher story. I don't know. <laughs> so um, they got these candidates, men and women got some candidates and they're going to do a job interview. And you might've heard this before. They're going to do a job interview. And uh, they gave them these, like they said, okay, we're going to put scars on your face, like fake scars, like makeup scars. They put scars across their face and let them look in a mirror as they did the makeup and everything. And uh, they're about to go into the job interview. And right before they go in, they uh, they do the touch-ups, the last touch-ups, and completely remove the scars without them being able to, to know that they removed them. Mm-hmm. They go in the job interview. They do the job interview. And after they got out, they did a post like, oh, what do you think of it? And like, man, they just, they hated on me. They, I had these scars on my face. They, they hated, they, they hated my job interview and, I felt like I was discriminated against because of my scars. And well, they look in a mirror. Well, you don't have any scars, you know, mm. kind of this, well, you're going to be a victim. We're going to make you a victim. You get into it and you feel like a victim because you've been told you're a victim. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You might've heard that before, but no, I hadn't heard that. And I, I I've, heard, I've heard that one before. Am I, did I miss Probably anything? From you. Maybe from you. No, I think, <laughs> I don't know. I think I, maybe I can with it myself. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And those but, are, they're like, I, I think they, they trickle down or more they expand upwards as we're thinking about or talking about marriage and community and just like America in general. I think we have in that process of expanding or growing, um, we have devalued like community and we have, we have overvalued the like individual, um, mm-hmm. which puts you, I'm sure. I mean, I think both of y'all have mentioned you've traveled um, to different places. Keith, you've been, was it is it italy was it italy yeah yeah you just went or haven't gone all right last year i went to italy last year you went okay um i think that italy is a really great example of 
um, not necessarily small communities. The only places I went were relatively big cities, but you got still the vibe of people valued families. Yes. Yes. They valued um, like hanging out together and yeah. not just doing work and growing and building and doing all the stuff they valued like different things than we do. Mm -hmm. um, and then the ways that their communities are set up. Part of that is because like, it's, it's been that way. They had to be close knit together. America mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily that way. So it's, it's not like we necessarily did it wrong, but you can walk everywhere. You can do stuff in your community. Yep. I live in a place where I'm a block and a half away from uh, like the, a cool part of town where there's always things going on. I think I mentioned to y'all a second ago, there was a car show last week um, of just people with all their, all their cars down there. Th two and a half or three weeks ago, there was a chalk festival where people were um, doing chalk art on one side of the road. And then the other side of the road, it was people who had um, like small businesses making things. Mm -hmm. In a couple of weeks, they'll have a Christmas parade, like all these different things that are going on that gives me a sense and, and connection to the place where I'm living. Mm -hmm. um, and there's value in that. Um, and I, I don't think we've, we value that as just a, a big society well. And so as we yeah. trickle that down, towards like all the way back to marriage it's um very me focused mm -hmm. what can you do for me you're not doing enough you've done this and this um versus a a more selfless or a more uh sacrificial sort of relationship of we're in this together um and we've done some of the legwork to know that we're on the same team and so now i'm i'm willing to give in these areas not just give certain things but to pursue or try things differently because I know we're together on this sort of stuff. And even if you don't, the purpose is not, Oh, I need it from you. It's I love you. So we want these things together. Um, it's I'm one of the, I had a mentor, I'm going on a way different tangent here or run on <laughs> sentence, but um, the, an easy way to think of it is we have like you and me in relationship and it's very transactional. That's the way we do like almost all relationships, business, uh, anything else is I give something, you give me something and then ta-da, that's good. And then we do that in actual relationships and it doesn't work out well where um, we can talk about faith in here, right? Mm -hmm. um, at least ideally and you can, faith can go lots of different ways, but ideally in relationship, it's not just you and me. There's a person down here or a thing down here. That's us where we say we're committed to this thing together. And so when we start pouring into us and in that relationship, I'm the beneficiary of that too. It's not just the other person. Um, and the, like the easiest way to think of it is in, um, and maybe I mentioned this last time. I can't remember. I feel like I did, but maybe not. Uh, but with um, volunteering, that's the, that's the word. I was oh yeah. Before. Yeah. Um, when, when you give and volunteering or if you do it well, people, if you ask them about it, they're like, Oh yeah, that was great. But I got so much more out of it uh, than what those people did. Like it was so nice for me. And that's like, I think the, the easiest example of when you're giving to something greater than yourself, you get like more in return back. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way in just individual relationships. When we give to something that's greater than ourselves, um, we get that back. We're the beneficiary of it. And I think I see so many relationships right now where it's, what can you do for me? Yeah. Or uh, that transactional sort of relationship. Well, and to build off the transactional side of like, you know, personally, like, well, I don't want to get screwed over. Yeah. Like, well, if I get screwed over, that means I'm giving more than what it's worth. So it has to be equal or I have to get more. And in a relationship, like you can't think that you, if one person, if you think that you're always going to, the other person always has to give more, they're going to get burnt out and it's just not going to work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something really interesting it's not even a bad thing. It's a very good thing. Um, Cause I was just looking at different videos, trying to think of different ideas earlier today of where marriage has not necessarily gone wrong, but gone different. And this person mentioned with um, the bind that women were in, especially like at least in America in the forties, fifties and sixties of they were so, so tied to that person financially. Mm -hmm. um, they had the kids, they were the ones staying home, but then they couldn't leave. Um, and as women got more and more rights, which is great, um, 
now women are almost two, like close to three times more likely to be the one to threaten divorce. Um, mm -hmm. They have a lot more power in the relationship, which is not, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, inherently at least. Um, but then it's, it's, we don't value marriage very highly. We take this vow and then it's like, well, my vow doesn't really mean much. Like, ah, I'll just get divorced. And there's grounds to do that, but like, not as much as we, we would like it to be. Yeah. You know, I think there's like a sort of a, well, I guess it's a sort of changing misperception, but the, I feel like, you know, growing up, my impression was always that men are much more likely to initiate divorce and that doesn't seem to be be the case, like you just said. It's, did you say it was three times? Women were three times more likely. It's definitely two. I think it's closer to like two and a half. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's a. I feel I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people misperceived that in society. Well, because it's changed. That wasn't mm -hmm. always the case. Yeah. Uh, but now, um, it just is. Well. Do you think men are inherently more tolerable, like or tolerant? I guess is that inherently like, like well, we'll put up with whatever. Okay, went bad. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a loaded question. <laughs> no, it's not loaded. I I think men are um, through history, through time, and then just through habits. Now, even there, the emphasis on men is what you do and your performance. Um, that's where we find a lot of value. Um, and then especially in the family, traditionally, now that's always changing right now. Me and my wife both work. Um, and for a long time, she was like the breadwinner. Um, uh, the man provides. That's the thing that they do for the family. Um, and now it's not so much the case, but I think men are, are a lot more likely to just completely check out. Um, they numb themselves out. Oh, I'll just get invested in work or something else. It's not worth it for me to leave, but uh, I don't really want to stay either. So I'll just check out. And it gives that glimpse or that idea, perception of more tolerable. When in reality, I don't know if it's more, it's just different. Um, women so, are a lot more likely to voice their concerns. So on a more, more edgy, edgy question, just with the changes in economics and, um, you know, you have more women in the workforce. Do you think this, uh, just on a basic, like evolutionary psychology level, it has completely changed it. We're, we're not really like programmed for this, uh, um, shift in divorce and, and relationship dynamics. Power, power dynamic. I think, I think there's some like real credibility to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it's better or worse, but I think you would be wrong in saying or acting as if this new, not new, but the way we do things now is, is very different than the way it's always been. And the way yeah. it's always been has had its problems. Um, it's not perfect by any means. It's probably been super flawed in lots of ways. But like I just said now, um, a lot of my value is not based on like just going to the factory and getting work or just going out of the farm and working the fields all day. Mm -hmm. um, my wife has gone too. So she's taking up some of my spot or place in the family. And now I have to come up and step up and provide some of hers. I have to be emotionally available and invested in our kids' lives, or at least in the relationship. I have to be um, present and cognizant of what's going on, like in the home and maintenance there, not just trash or, dishes or traditional like manly things not manly traditional man roles um, other stuff around the house groceries cleaning you know whatever it might be laundry um, mm -hmm. and um i think that'll just take a get some getting used to yeah. if you have like a solid foundation of relationship then you're able to work through some of those things i know mm -hmm. a ton of people who uh like really value and still see a more traditionalist view of marriage or relationship. And that's the way they do things. Mm -hmm. And I know tons of people or I've met tons of people who do not do that. Yeah. It's like one's better than the other, but um, you got to be able to talk about it. And that's where I think where a ton of the breakdown is, is going all the way back to that communication is 
they're difficult topics. And if you don't have a level of trust or not necessarily vulnerability, but I think trust is probably just the easiest word. You, you don't talk about those things. We don't know if we can until mm-hmm. they pop up and it's a problem. And then it's like, oh, well, here we are. Now we have a problem. What do we want to do about it? And like most of the people, it's either uh, we just forget about it. One person wins and shuts up or the other person shuts up or we just get divorced. Mm-hmm. It's like not ever or it's, it's, it's a small likelihood of it actually getting resolved. Yeah. So since we're on this topic, we talked about this last, I mean, the whole last podcast with you was about like the rise in sort of teenage depression. Um, but how much, and we talked a lot about social media. We talked about community, kind of how we talked hit today, but I didn't, I don't know if I thought of this before. Or we talked about this before. I don't think we did, but what impact do you think both parents being out of the house has on raising kids? I don't think ever anyone ever talks about that. Uh, and that's a very new thing in society where kids yeah. are in daycare all day. Or I mean, even even school, uh, public schools going till four o'clock all day is very new. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I have, this is not like uh, research based. Mm-hmm. It would be more like my opinion. Guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same sort of idea. I don't know if one's better or worse, but I definitely think it's caused some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you aren't super intentional about it, like the, this is research based, it's like outrageously the best option for kids is to have a two parent stable household, mm-hmm. like out yeah. outrageously, like it knocks it out of the park, how much better it is for kids to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say single parent households can't do things, but it makes it way harder. Like it really does. Yeah. Um, so that is one, it is like the best for the kids to have both parents. And that's why in the state of Oklahoma right now, or at least in Oklahoma or Tulsa County, um, it is like a very pro dad, uh, County. Um, hmm. Dad can get away with a lot here because the court values having both parents in the family, mm-hmm. um, which is true, uh, at least in a vacuum. Uh, now, at least in those situations, that's not always what's best either. Um, but back to your question, what makes it worse? I think um, what would be the not necessarily the best way? I just think it causes a ton of problems. Mm-hmm. The way we regulate, the way we learn lots of things is through our parents. And that's all the way up until like, I don't know, eight or nine. And then that shifts to our peers. And that's just developmentally is where our values and where we learn and all those things come from. But if we don't have a basis of what does love look like? Where is my value? Who am I? If I don't get that from mom and dad, I have to find it from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And I either find it through a thing, thing that I'm doing, other people out there. Well, thing that I'm doing, um, whether it's like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or something like that, another entity, or it's other people. You know, as you're a kid growing up, you don't have great discernment on who's uh, healthy and who's not. It's basically just who likes me or not, or where am I accepted? Um, and so we're having more and more people who feel accepted in like crappy spots. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, well, these people accept me. Why would I want to do anything else? And it's just a whole lot of people who, not necessarily stink. That's a really mean way of saying it. <laughs> um, but they, they don't have the most healthy like self-regulation or just life in general. But they feel connected to other people who are in a similar spot. And I think mm-hmm. that's more and more of um, because we don't have mom and dad more and more often. Or just mom and dad aren't very mm, present. Mm-hmm. Then it leads you to questioning. Because I, I believe all that stuff stems from not stems from, but we can be narrowed down to identity yeah. structures or problems. And when that is not solid or does not have a good foundation, we look for it in other areas, whether that's escaping and numbing out or uh, exploding into other areas or just finding purpose in something else. But all of it leads to, and this goes into faith, uh, it's all not enough. We can't be enough. That's part of the, the problem. That's why Jesus is so nice. Is He tells us very explicitly. He One, he says who we are. But two, he says, I was thinking of this in Moses the other day. 
sorry, I'm rambling on this one, but I like this one because I've been. Hey. Thinking, but, oh, you're doing a great job. Um, when Moses goes to the burning bush, they talk. Moses says, I'm, I can't do it. I can't do it. God gives him all these reasons. He says, I am. Do these things. I'm telling you, you can. I'm telling you, I'll be with you. Here's how it'll happen. And eventually Moses goes, I really don't want to pick someone else. And it, it says God's anger burned against Moses, like in that moment. And that always confused me. And through other people, not through my own wisdom, um, came to the conclusion of it's not it's not that God was angry at Moses, that he didn't think he couldn't do it. It was that Mo, he was mad that Moses didn't believe God was who he says he is. Um, and like that problem right there is like, I know you're not enough. Like you can't be. I am though. And that's why you have to lean on me. And it's becomes that nice intertwining of, um, you are enough through me, but you're not, you can't like do these things without me. And so all that being said, when we don't have people speaking that into us, well, um, we look for it in things that can never fulfill it. And so we're always left with this, not necessarily emptiness, but there there's problems there because we're looking to achieve or to find value into something in ourselves that is unachievable. And so then all that leaves us left with is like, uh, not necessarily maladaptive. That's just kind of a, a harsh word, but it gives us problems. And so we search for it in other areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess before we kind of wrap up on the marriage thing, I want to take it back all the way to the beginning. You talked about, industrial revolution and this distancing technology, making us some more, a little bit more isolated, uh, less connected to our communities. And that has bled into sort of family relationships and individual relationships. Now um, talking about the most recent question where we said, you talked about how this, the two parents being away from the kids might impact uh, in a negative way, the kids growing up their identity do you think that <clears throat> there's been a big change in, <clears throat> in technology over the last couple of years? <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> Maybe the worst possible time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, big change in technology over the last couple of years uh, where parents are starting to work more from home. So they're with their kids while working. To- so we've almost, it's been a cycle where we were working before the industrial revolution at home, men especially doing farm or living on the farm, living off the land, surviving, but you were at home. And now we've sort of come back to this work from home. Do you think that is going to be beneficial? Uh, do you think maybe it doesn't make a difference because we're locked on the screen anyways all day? Yeah. Or, uh, I, th- I think it probably has just as much potential to do damage that it does harm. Wait, damage that it does. Good. 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 That makes yeah. sense. I think it all, all depends on, like the individual there who's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're intentional with your time of, okay, I'm going to be home. Um, I need to be working for X amount of hours, but then I don't have to waste time driving. I don't have to waste time lunches, or maybe my lunches get to be with my kiddos, you know, whatever that might be. I think that's great. Like I love when my dad worked from home. Now I still didn't see him very often, but I got to see him some randomly in the kitchen. Or if it was a Friday afternoon or something, he would, work super early in the morning so that when we got off, um, we could do stuff together when we got home. Like that's mm-hmm. great. Um, if you're intentional about it, then I think the other side of that coin is, um, I need to get out of my house. I need to escape. <laughs> well, that, that for sure with parents, but the, and this is research based too, is it's it's way worse. Um, it's, it's worse for a kid to be, uh, neglected emotionally um, it's, and what's a, what's a better way of saying this? It's worse for a parent to be home, but not emotionally present, mm-hmm. um, that it is for them to be actually gone. And it's mm-hmm. also worse for them to be physically abused than it is for them to be emotionally. Um, and I say worse as in it's harder to heal from, um, one, you can like, there, there's things that are kind of subjective there that is like at least technically worse. Um, but at least in part of the healing process, that's better. Or mm-hmm. there's, there's differences there. So all that being said, I think there's potential for there to be a lot of not present parents yeah. um, who are home, but not home, which I don't know how helpful that would be, yeah. which is basically a non-answer from what you said, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think no, it just depends I think it's, on the person. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. It's uh, 
you know, there's been a lot of talk about like uh, how moms, new moms who want to keep working or have to keep working, yeah, really want to be able to work from home so they can sort of divert uh, I'm attention this at certain quick. times. And um, um, so they can like divert attention at times. And the fact that most people are spending what an hour a day commuting, so that's an extra hour at home. And I've known people, a lot of people who will work from home and then have a babysitter at home during the day. So, hmm. so that way, you know, if something disastrous is happening, I could leave the computer and go <laughs> take care of my kid, but I have someone there watching them. Uh, yeah. So, so I think it's an interesting dynamic that we'll see how, how it ends up playing out. I think a lot of this goes with what you've mentioned before, Keith, on with like AI and technology mm-hmm. and the people who utilize it will get so far ahead and people who don't will get a lot further behind. And I think, cause you asked a question, at least I thought you asked a question in the, in the text on this is, do I see these things getting better or worse? Um, yeah. At least either with community and marriages. And yes. I think, yeah. um, I think the answer is pretty similar of, I think for the people who invest in those smaller communities, invest in the people around them and in their relationship, they will, I think there's tons of hope because I think a lot of people are seeing bad patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for the people that don't, it will get like way worse Yeah, uh, because they keep continuing a cycle of numbing out or checking out and the gap will get bigger and bigger of, um, and I don't know necessarily disproportionately if one's bigger or smaller than the other on the sidewise, but definitely the gap of healthy relationships versus unhealthy ones or healthy communities versus unhealthy ones. Yeah. Um, will in that kind of similar vein. Yeah. Some will get better and get, I think lots better. I, I think that personally, mm-hmm. I don't think that will be widespread until at a, uh, city state like country level we start valuing things differently yeah yeah there's gonna be some like critical point where everything starts to sort of like well what are we doing to ourselves right now with all Mm -hmm. this technology i've been i writing a little piece on this what i'm calling like the discipline gap is basically Mm -hmm. about to and this is not related to relationships but i think in a similar vein to me it's the discipline gap between can you control yourself on your phone Versus can you turn the phone into a device of extreme productivity, you know, uh, you know, good connection with friends and like actual connection with family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I feel like the gap is just going to get wider and wider as AI can either help you, you know, do really well, or it could literally stick you on your phone 24 seven because it knows everything you want uh, and can serve it up at a moment's notice. Yeah, I was going to comment about the uh, work from home stuff. Mm. I think society has to change quite a bit. Um, like I have a coworker, mm-hmm. and uh, name them. They... <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I guess they're remote. They work from home all the time. <laughs> uh, so she sometimes has a babysitter and sometimes doesn't, mm-hmm. and. I mean, sometimes I hear kids in the background, like when we have meetings and stuff, you know, like high level meetings with customers and with like important people at my job. And I mean, I'm on the low level and I find it kind of annoying to hear the kids in the background, (laughs) but I'm kind of envious of like, she gets to take her kids to school. She gets to pick her kids up from school. Now, granted, she has to make up the hours, you know, later on, like, okay, well, she started at seven. So now she's got to work till six because she took an hour off to go pick up her kids or drop them off but she definitely invests in their life more. Um, And so I kind of think we have to, as a society, be kind of adaptive in the fact that, okay, she's working 10 hour, like she's only working eight hours, but it's for a 10 hours part of the day. I'm working eight hours in the office. Well, how do I accommodate her time while also her taking care of my time as well or accommodating my time. So I think society, it's going to, there's going to be some type of, do we care more about the person that's in the office for eight hours or the person that's working from home for 10 hours and you're only getting eight hours done work? If that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Are people so going to be like, you, in a way you're kind of saying like, are people going to be 
sort of accepting of these yeah. parents who are working slash are they really working as hard as me because uh, yeah. I'm in the office and they're not and they're you know with their kids that's what you're kind of saying yeah they're kind of they're, they're distracted at home yeah but like like I I want that I think that it should be like that way that we yeah, should be yeah. accommodating but it does kind of suck for me if I have to like oh she was with their kids so she didn't get enough done so I need to work harder to yeah. overcome that or and then I'm gonna be um uh my relationship with that coworker, I guess, could be seen as negative because well now I have to do all this extra work. I'm giving more than I'm taking or you know, mm-hmm. getting equal. So well I would I think there's like some very yeah layered I think, things there. I'm guessing you're probably a lot nicer than most people on this. There's a lot of people who really can't stand kids. And I, I do think that is actually, now that you mentioned it, that that sort of scenario is going to creep up a lot in the workplace. And yeah, it kind of, that kind of worries me because we're, I feel like we should be like valuing that sort of, you know, obviously you're, what you're saying kind of sucks, but at the same time, you also see like, well, this is actually very cool that she's doing I'm this. I'm glad that she has that opportunity. Yeah. 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 It's all, it's very cool for, and you know, it's, to me, it's kind of like, how, how do you learn to sort of tune out if, for instance, with the meeting thing, like where you hear kids in the background, I hear that all the time and I'm really good at tuning it out because I literally grew up in a house that was so Everyone loud. was yelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that because, uh, because I have such a different outlook on it than like Lydia does because she didn't ever grow up in a loud house like that. At the beginning, when she first started coming, coming to my family's house, it was like, this is so chaotic i have a headache like <laughs> and for me i'm just sitting there like it's normal like i'm just completely it's white noise but i think a lot of people will end up having that sort of situation at work where kids are in the background which has never really been experienced before which would be very interesting to see how those things play out what well, kind of like what's the country that they get to take a siesta uh it's spain is it spain, spain. Yeah. yeah where like okay well guess what you know your hour, you get two hours for lunch, you know, hour to eat, hour to, you know, go home mm-hmm. and hour to take a nap or whatever, get some errands done. Like, I almost feel like that is how we kind of overcome that of like, okay, well, it's three o'clock. I'm going to get off and go pick up my kids and I'll work, you know, the rest from home or whatever. Or, okay, well, you get to take a siesta, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's kind of how you accommodate that without hurting the person that, well, I'm, they don't let me work from home because I don't have any kids, you know, or something like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Go ahead, Connor. Oh, I was just thinking the, those, the like workplace dynamic is interesting. Um, and I, this is a different topic, but uh, the effect on like either your manager or your boss or whatever it is, their, their perspective on some of these things like goes top down of their tolerant of it it sets that example of, okay, like us as a company or at least a branch or whatever it might be, can be tolerant of some of these things or inviting and accepting of this stuff. Um, so it's just, I love thinking of different dynamics because um, I'm sure like you, you mentioned, I think even a minute ago or a while ago now, one work was not as helpful maybe, or the environment was different than maybe where you're working now. Um, and that matters like that. The, the places that we work in matter. Um, so that that really doesn't go anywhere but i just <laughs> you're fine for those um any final thoughts closing thoughts i did have one thing that i thought was interesting that i wrote down that i got from someone else this is also not for me um, but at least on the topic of marriage they were speaking on um it used to be um like i don't know my grandma got married at like 18 19 <laughs> something like that 17 and part of that was you know the cultural uh, appropriateness of that or acceptance of, of being married young. Some of that was, you know, going way further back, the life expectancy wasn't the same. And so we needed <laughs> to marry like a little bit younger. Um, but it, the, the point was you would marry young and then you would do life together mm-hmm. and you would, you would build your life where it seems like a lot of the things now it's we build our lives as individuals and then marriage is like the last thing that we do that signifies like, oh, yes, we've made it. Mm-hmm. And 
you got to get a career and a job and make some money and then you're in your 30s and then like once that person fits all those things then we can marry and then they're suitable mm-hmm. versus i'm marrying you and we're going to try to do this thing together um, which i never thought of that but that, I, I think that's an, a an interesting perspective or an interesting point that i think a lot of people do do yeah they not do it in reverse but that aspect they do differently no yeah that's actually I've heard that before and I love the idea that, you know, sort of the people who get married younger tend to tend to divorce a little bit less. And I think it is because you have are building a life together. And I think, and this is not to like obviously discourage anyone older from getting married, but I do think it's a lot harder to merge two lives together, two independent lives together than it is to sort of build from scratch mm-hmm. together. And I mean, just analogize it to code it's such a pain when me and my brother aren't constantly like updating our code and pushing our new changes uh to the code repository if if we don't do that constantly and we come back a month later we've made all these independent changes merging them together is so painful (laughs) (laughs) and i think that that how you could have said it would, would you've done all this stuff separate merging it together is is a lot more difficult because you've already built all these habits you've already built all these habits Mm -hmm. you you have financial habits you might even have uh, one person financially ruined (laughs) by Mm -hmm. that point uh the other doing quite fine and they have to take on a financial burden like that's that's pressure you know Mm -hmm. so that is a very interesting i wonder how how that's played in the sort of increase in divorce since the 50s i think it goes back to that kind of general point we were talking on of very individualized or me focused versus mm-hmm. that that together because i i don't think that's a controversial statement to say it's hard to merge two lives mm-hmm. and it becomes well how am i going to connect like do this my way with your way and it mm-hmm. becomes a lot of compromise and it just can be difficult versus i don't know what the heck we're doing um but we're we'll doing it out together we're in this together and we either we do or we don't figure it out, but like we kind of have to. Yeah. Um, and you build that together and you go, you know, most people, I, at least from my experience, when I talk to, they talk so fondly of their, their relationship when they had like the least. Nothing. Yeah. Um, because they were doing things together. Like they, that's the time where they built. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, not that their times after that stink or that you can't get that if you marry later. It's just, it's hard. You've already done half of the building. <laughs> like that goes to like okay that. you struggle that at the most probably of those early early years well yeah guess what we struggled and we grew together instead yeah. of i struggled with that by myself but i also think okay i'm 35 and it's been four years and i'm kind of tired of this person well i kind of know what i'm doing without them already so mm-hmm. i can just yeah. leave yeah That's it, it, it seemed better without them yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That I mean, you, you Evan just circled back perfectly to the, again, to the beginning where you talked about like suffering and growth at an individual level seems to also be a, can be a complete breaker in a relationship or potentially a builder. If you know that suffering is sort of suffering and building something together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that goes way into the weeds or I, I could go way into the weeds, but yeah. going all the way back to that crucible idea, Yeah, I think, all relationships, whether they're uh, romantic or anything else, if you're wanting to get the way you get close and intimate um, and not like physical intimacy, but relationship intimacy is, is through that crucible. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to jump in. The relationship has to have some sort of integrity, like in that bowl. It can't also melt with the heat. The bowl has to be a safe place mm-hmm. in order to be able to hold whatever's in there. And like whatever it is, gold or any other metal, or maybe not any other metal, but at least with gold, they do that. They get these big patches of gold. They find them. They put them in those big smelting pots um, and all the trash and dirt lifts to the top because it gets so hot. The gold melts and sinks to the bottom. They cut off the crap at the top and you're left with solid gold. Mm. Um, Well, that's what relationships need to do. But most people back out for lots of different reasons. Um, But I think the beginning stages, wherever that is, that's where your habits are set. And mm-hmm. if you can set good habits of hopping in there and finding a way out of it, you like can exponentially shoot up. And if you don't, then 
not that you're doomed, but you're definitely doomed for problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's a fantastic place to end. Uh, Wait, I have to. I have to say have one to... thing. Oh my. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or I have to ask Connor one thing. You yeah. have. We can't go super deep into this. Because it's a very deep question, but just in simple terms, why should people get married? Why should people get married? Yeah. What's the point? <laughs> What's the so point? She can take half. <laughs> um, why should people get married? Um, yeah, that is a that is an interesting question. Um, and I guess I'll give the caveat: I don't think you need to be married. There's nothing wrong with not being married. Um, you definitely need relationships, though. Um, and whether that's through community, like we've been talking about, or something else, you need relationships. That's that's inherent. Um, going back to all these biblical terms, like God said that man, it was not good for him to be alone. And that's not alone as in he needs a wife. It's alone as in he was by himself. He needed someone with him. Um, I think the value in marriage is, um, one, learning how to do things or, or becoming more a more selfless person. Ideally, that's what can happen in through relationship is it becomes less about you, more about something else. Gives you more future focused, um, especially if you have kids. It's okay. It's less about me. All I care about is till when I die. It's mm-hmm. I've got a kid coming in like two and a half weeks. Like all I can think about is well, what are things going to be like for him? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are things going to be like for him in 20 years? It, it, it takes the focus off of you. Um, it gives you a partner uh, to do things together. We all want those sorts of things. So that's a good place to find it. Um, and then there was another thing I was just thinking of, but I already forgot it. Um, I guess it, not necessarily motivation, but it can give you some motivation of, of purpose in life, of not finding purpose in the relationship. But uh, what do I want to do? I want to build. I want to grow. I want to make things better, not just for me and just to make it through, but for like us. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, think- so, I don't know if that answered that. That's a couple of least oh, yeah. personal yeah. reasons, but... I definitely think there's good reasons and bad, but I think the good outweigh the bad by quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. I think the important thing is so that somebody inherits my money instead of the government. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not a bad way. (laughs) Someone can get it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, that's a good benefit. (laughs) That's not the main reason. It's not a bad one. It's up there. It's like second or third. Um, Okay. Well, thank you, Connor, so much for for coming on and, uh, I'm kind of anxious and ready to have our third podcast together. Actually, so uh, I know. I I, I need like I need I need to be the interviewee in the next one. I need to ask y'all questions. <laughs> hey, ask away. I don't know any of the answers, but ask away. <laughs> I'll say that's a really good question. Thank you for asking it. We can we can debate <laughs> on the industrial revolution next time. Okay. okay. Although I kind of agree with what you said, but uh, in general, generally about relationships. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to, we need, we need to model going through conflict. Mm-hmm. Model. Just do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys so much for watching. This has yeah. been Sabinda Cool. Thank you, Connor. And peace out.